Hi, Luis. Hi, Tiago. Today on the podcast, we're going to be discussing continuous integration. Uh, it's a problem that I've had, not necessarily a problem, but it's something that I'm very interested in getting involved with. I'm currently, I've just finished a release of my app, which should be going out tonight. And I have a big manual checklist of things to test to make sure it's all right. And Tiago, I know you are very involved with having all of that automated or as much as possible of that automated. So uh, this is what we'll be discussing today. Okay. Yeah, so if I don't have everything automated. I try to, because automating is also a cost that you need to pay and you need to repay it during the time. Yeah, like, there's a great XKCD yeah. uh, thing of that. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, so, so it, <laughs> that'll be yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> Um, for example, if you release one time per year, <laughs> like automating everything doesn't make a lot of sense because you will never pay that that cost of automating. But since um, I try to release as frequently as I I uh, I can, like targeting I don't know two weeks, one week release cycles, so my users can benefit like all the work that I do like immediately. I try to to keep things automated and like. The, the release process to be as smooth as possible and that I don't waste like every time that I want to release three hours because that will uh, induce me in the psychology of, okay, I will release less often. Yeah, definitely. No? But like all these techniques like TDD or so some techniques from the extreme programming uh, uh, methodology is, is all about reducing risk. Like... In, in terms of continu continuous integration w was born like when you have a, a team of people working on the same code base and um, people will, uh, will do like branches and then integrate after like two weeks, one week and you'll have this huge uh, merge hell where it will, it will be really difficult to, to, make, to not break the, the current application. No? That, that is... Uh, how, how it uh, was, like, not discovered, but, like, applied, you know? Okay, definitely. Um, there's a couple of places to go there. Definitely, we should discuss the difference between working in teams and how a big team would manage something like this. Um, what, what interests me is uh, what you say about that not everything is covered. And so uh, I know you have personal projects, but also projects that you work on it, with teams at ThoughtWorks. Mm -hmm. What's the difference with the how much is automated between the two? So, yeah, like I said, depend depends on the project and like the the necessities that you'll have. If if you imagine like a team of uh, twenty persons working on a project and like everyone making changes, uh, if if you will not integrate like frequently, these changes will accumulate and it, it will be really difficult to to merge them back. I remember, like, we had um, in a previous project, uh, not in Photoworks, um, we had, like, this feature that kept on going for one week, okay, these two, two persons working, and then when we had to integrate, we lost more than one day just to integrate <laughs> this feature. That is a huge cost that you, that you need to pay that is unnecessary. If you use, like, in here is... is not even continuous integration, but it's more like using uh, orgit flow or trunk-based development. 
like working always on uh, the master branch. So every commit goes to one branch that everyone has. Yes, and everyone works on that. Um, even some op- open source projects, for example, the Swift language, where, where everyone does trunk-based development, they work always on master. And you, the idea is that you keep like iterating in the in the software without breaking it. So it's always in a shippable state. Yeah. No, in in your case, for example, you you are preparing a release of an application. Imagine that you had like a deadline, a hard deadline, and uh, you need to, to add these ten features to to the application. And in the day of the um, of the release, you only had like seven features. Okay. If you are not like continuous integrating the code and making sure that it works and was verifiable, you you will need to finish all these ten features in order to release. But if you are like always integrating and the app is always in a workable uh, state, then, then you can release when whenever the business needs, instead of when the developer is able to. So you are decoupling these um, the, these things. So you're decoupling the um, what the like the release from the features or like. Yeah, that is more is is after continuous integrate like after no, but another concept. That is called continuous delivery. Okay. Okay. And uh, also ties also to continuous deployment. Okay, yeah, we should we should get definitions. So <laughs> what's, what's the difference between the three? Okay. So you're putting me uh, <laughs> on the spot. But uh, continuous integration, it means that you are integrating the code between developers. Okay. Okay. So imagine that we two were working on an application and uh, instead of having a specific moment in time, okay, let's work together uh, separate on this on this application. And then Friday afternoon, we get together and we integrate this code. Yeah. This will be like not, not continuous because we specify a specific point in time to and integrate. And merge the two. And merge the two. In continuous integration, you every change that you make is integrated with my changes. And usually uh, use like an external... Um, agent to do this integration for you. For example, you could uh, have each time uh, that you make a change, if you are using Git, you push to the remote repository and that will like run the tests and build an artifact of your of your application and make okay. sure that it works. So each change that you make and you push, it will integrate. Um, continuous uh, deployment is where each uh, change that you make is uh, already um, deployed in in a live environment. Okay. Okay. So each co- each code that you add in the code base goes into production directly. However, it doesn't mean that um, is uh, activated. It could be like deactivated, for example, with feature toggles. Ah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in there, you are basically the thing that I was saying, decoupling like the release from the uh, from the, the deployment. So it's like continuous integration, but because it's all going live, which is really good. But as soon as you, as soon as like say a feature didn't work for whatever reason, then you can just pull that feature. Yeah, or or you could, for example, deploy it, and it's already in the app store. Okay, yeah. and people already have it in your phone and you can enable like for 10% of the users only. See how it goes, see if people like the feature. 
if they like, you can increase the number of users. I don't know, you can toggle it off. Okay, yeah. So it works yeah. really well with like A-B testing. For example, in A-B testing, you, you will need feature toggles. And continuous delivery is just every change goes to production directly. At, uh, okay, so that, that seems more risky than continuous deployment. Hmm, not necessarily, because you can always do uh, what Netflix, I, I thought it was Netflix, I coined the term, like blue-green deployments. Okay. Where you have uh, two instances of, this is more applicable not to mobile applications, because it's more difficult to apply these concepts there. Yeah. But if it was like a website or an API, you will have like two instances, one with the newer version and one with the older version, the blue and the green. And you deploy to one, for example, the blue one, and then all the traffic of your users starts gradually uh, progressing to the new one. And if it, for some reason, the errors uh, increase or there is some problem, you just switch switch back to the green one and try to think uh, what was the problem. So it's not risky at all if you have all these safety measurements. Okay, so so I I, um, I do uh, the what the Swift language does. What was the name for that? Sorry? Uh, trunk-based or master-based development. Yeah, so so that's um, for me. I have like a like so I don't actually commit to master. Like maybe this is a mistake I'm making, but I have like a working branch that mm-hmm. I commit to and keep that branch like uh, very clean. Okay. May- maybe the usual thing to do would be to have master as that branch. Mm-hmm. And so I'll, I'll like, we'll have that every single day. That branch will be like a workable version of my app. Okay. Um, so, but what I don't do is continuous deployment, like definitely. So my, my deployment cycles is I do, uh, well, not, um, definitely, but I try to do two weeks uh, and make an iOS release and two weeks and make an Android release. Okay. So we're recording this on a Monday and my two weeks for iOS ended on Friday, but I still had the weekend doing it because I overrun a little, which, okay. is, which is quite a normal occurrence. Yeah. And so, but with that, what, what it involves for me is I probably have like maybe three or four hours of the release uh, on the day of the release where I go through absolutely everything including like um, like a checklist of things that you'd expect like but it's all manually done so like completely removing the app like going through a lot of kind of edge cases that you wouldn't expect you using old iOS versions using like smaller screens but it's it's completely manually uh, I manually do all of that also the app that I've created uh, doesn't have really any unit tests. Like um, it, it's there are some, but it's it's not even like slightly covered because they're more been as I've been like learning, uh, experimenting with that, and and so that's that's where I'm at, and I I want to know how I could firstly like I guess automate more of that process, but also how I could do continuous like deployment i guess without having a tested application okay so it, it's pretty normal like in, in ios apps especially in the ios ecosystem like testing and, and automation is not like really well dif- diffused like in other fields okay um but 
can you can you explain a little bit more the process? Like, okay, it's you test the app. Uh, let's say you do this two weeks, add all the features that you that you've done, work all the bugs. Then, after you do these manual tests, you still need to submit the app to the App Store, to iTunes Connect. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe download it to try test flight um, or send to, to do you have better users yeah yeah so so that's something I've got at the moment we've got like a, everyone in the company will then use the app and we have like a like a lot of people that work kind of two or three hours a week because they organize football games mm-hmm. and so they all use it and they're frequently using the app so I have a group of maybe 30 people that mm-hmm. test it which works out actually to be like 15 people with iOS. And then they test it for a week or two and then I release it fully. But so that whole process, um, like a, I have like a list here of what I do on like a release. Okay. And it's kind of like um, a try in like the oldest um, versions, like smaller phones and try all the functionality. And there's a list of like things that should happen in my app. Okay. Um, Make sure it's the right branch because I had a had a bad experience once. <laughs> Update the build numbers, which again, like I know are things that get automated. Okay. Um, then turn on fabric again, like okay, uh, and then like there's a whole a whole list. Um, okay, but yeah, it, at that point I would like manually upload it to iTunes Connect, like mm. uh, which. Okay like as we know is like quite a long process yeah. there's a lot of like wait five minutes then do something then wait five minutes okay <laughs> and uh, all the metadata like the release notes uh, the screenshots this is, is everything done also the description of the app yeah it's, it's also done manually completely well. manually okay. it's on the, on the list okay okay yeah the a nice thing that I see where, where to start is uh, automating the screenshots. No? Like we, we talked in the previous episode, if you use uh, F- Fastlane, you could automate taking the screenshots for like uh, also small devices. And th- this will give you like a very broad uh, coverage of your application. Because yeah. you will need to go to like to these five, uh, six, how many screenshots you would like, different screens. That will test in a high level your application. Yeah. Plus, it has the benefit of you start automating some things. In this case, the, the screenshots metadata and provides like a correct description of of your app to your users. Yeah, that could be a a first step. Uh, the other approach is that I saw working really good is when you have bugs, instead of just going directly to the code and try to solve the bug and see, yeah, okay, this is this stupid thing. I forgot this. Yeah. to assign this thing or just write a test for it that demonstrates the bug so the test should fail because it doesn't have the expected behavior. Yeah. Then you go and fix the bug and the test should then pass. And like that, ah, you have okay. this uh, regression um, test suite where, where yeah, that's, that bug will never occur again. So yeah. that, that's, that's another strategy that I saw working, working really good. And uh, in terms of automation, it's, it's always like a matter, like I said on, on the beginning, you need to reduce uh, the risk of 
having a making for example you said <laughs> releasing from the wrong brand sure yeah. I, I, I saw a lot of mistakes like in uh, in other projects releasing some feature that should not shouldn't be released released I even made uh, like a lot of mistakes like everyone makes and uh, one mistake that I did was release uh, an app pointing to the dev environment okay. instead of pointing to production Wait, no. what happened in that situation? Yeah, in that situation we had like some uh, alpha users like internal ah, internal okay, testers that's good, that's good. and they found it immediately but yeah um, this practice like like I said sometimes we think okay it's for big companies they have a lot of money but it's actually the opposite because since we are working as independent developers and we don't have like a team of QA people that will test yeah. it up in here it makes even more sense to to have these like safety nights let's say that allow us to 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 ship with more confidence, to ship less bugs, to ship a, a better a better quality app. That that will be the strategy. That uh, the two two starting points that I will, that I will say are enough, or just like you need to repay the cost. So you can start with the bottleneck and say, okay, this is the thing that uh, costs me more time yeah. in the whole process. For example, in, in, in all this process, what is like the the time that we spend most doing that is uh, testing the small devices, is testing fabric, is yeah. Well, the, the one thing I'd say immediately was just um, like time spent waiting for like it to upload. Like, yeah, okay. uh, so you upload once, and then you have to do something else, and then it upload again. So it's kind of like it's it's a bit of a slow process. Um. Yeah, then what you can do and that, that is really easy to start going uh, is you just use like a service or you, yeah, using a CI as a service is the easiest way to do there are free services that you, that you can use just every time that you push your code it just produces an IPA and deploys it to iTunes Connect so for example if you go to my uh, to my iTunes Connect I have for each release, like, I don't know, 100 builds there submitted. Like, on the end, you don't pay for it. Like, so they're all there? They are all there. And when I want to do a release, or I say, okay, this is the moment to do a release, I don't need to wait, because it's already there, the build. Yeah, that's... And it's already processed. Now, that will be a first, and you start automating a first a first thing. That is the, the step where you produce an, an application and deploy to it and connect. And this has also the benefit I saw it. I, I, now I always do it because it saves so much time, so much time in terms of, like you're saying, you need to wait it to upload, but not only, to be processed. Yeah. yeah and sometimes yeah, yeah. it fails to process. <laughs> no, it never happened to you. No, and, I, yeah. And uh, so I just do it. And it has the other benefit when you have like errors, like you mess up the... Um, the entitlements of the application items re- reject, or you, for example, in, in the in the TVOS app, like the icon cannot have alpha, and sometimes you change the icon and forgot you forget that it, and you it put al- alpha alpha. Oh, it can't have alpha. No, so and uh, you don't know it till you ship till you put yeah, in the items. Yeah, yeah, and like that, you receive on immediately a mail from Apple saying, "Look, you forgot to." to put this process in and you need to... I'll, I'll tell you one that uh, I've definitely had a couple of times mm-hmm. is not updating the build number. 
Yeah, that one is uh, like a classic. <laughs> like it's a classic. So how how do you automate the build number? Like what? Um... Yeah, you can use also this CI um, service to do that, where uh, like each um, so it has an internal build number and sets the build number to the project. Uh, we we can put the documentation on the on the show notes, but you can use uh, Apple as this. I think is AVG tool. I think it's like a command line uh, uh, in application where you just enable it in the project settings of Xcode. There is a technical documentation. Just enable it, and then from the command line you can set the version number. Okay. And this is the 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 com the the application that like Fastlane or the other CI services use it. And they always increment. Or you can use like even like a date in the ISO format. Like that is always unique and it's always incrementing. That's all. No? 2018, uh, May. Uh, oh, as the building. Yes, and the hour. Is that like a common thing? That, like, like that is always increasing. You, may, you are sure that is always increasing. Ah, but then you get like a, your building then wouldn't follow like a pattern, would it not? Yeah, it will be like 2018.5.21.2018.5.21.2018.5.21.2018.5.21.2018.5.21.2018.5.21.2018.5.21.2018.5.21.2018.5.21.2018.5.21.2018.5.21.2018.5.21.2018.5.21.2018.5.21.2018
So how, how we usually do it is with automated tests. So each feature that you develop, you cover it with tests and make sure that it works and make sure that all the tests from all the other features also pass. And that will be the, the QA. And how, how one thing that like uh, we had, we were looking at like localization for the app mm-hmm. and say like the German language is a longer language than the English language. Mm-hmm. How would you test whether a new like label that you put fitted in German whether mm-hmm. while like in English you can see it on like when you like run a simulate you can see what the app looks like yeah but say that word in German was longer how yeah. would you test for that so one way that you can do is always use the there is this setting language in Xcode that is called double pseudo language I don't know if you saw it no what's that it's really nice for two things. First, it shows like each label with the double of the test that it should have. So if you have like a button and it says done, it says, it says done, case. done. Yeah, yeah. Okay. This has two advantages. First, you can go uh, like for uh, language that German that occupy a lot of space, but also you can see like which uh, strings are not localized because they, it will only appear one time. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it has these two advantages. You can run uh, your your tests like that. One way that uh, that you could also do it is using this language, this double pseudo language, uh, and use snapshot testing. So take a screenshot of uh, of your application and make sure that uh, it uh, it fits correctly. Also, for example, if you want to to see with the, with your designs if the designs are implemented. Uh, incorrectly or not, you could like a snapshot of all the important screens in the application and send them, and they could verify. Yeah, so so how often would you say snapshot testing is used? Because from like, I've looked at that and thought the cost of setting it up seems to be high. But I... uh, it depends on the team. I usually don't use it. No, the cost of setting up is, is, is much simpler than setting up, uh, I don't know, UI testing. Yeah, I would say. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, because it it only goes through the app, and it takes uh, takes picture of it. Then it needs to save them and then compare them. But is it done by the by the framework? I would say like refactoring your code to be uni- uh, tested uh, unitarily will be much higher yeah. than setting up a snapshot. That could be even a. Uh, a step that I will take if I will like inherit a legacy application will be maybe to cover by snapshot testing because you just need to walk through the application and take pictures. And then I will go like to a more granular level, like starting extracting collaborators and dividing responsibilities. Okay. I would say. That's, that's really good. So I'd say like a, a recap of all that. We have a free like different definitions we were going off. Continuous integration, um, continuous deployment, and continuous delivery. delivery. Continuous integration is the code going, everyone on a team having like a master branch that everyone continually adds to, and you don't have a point where two separate people have worked for a week on one project and merged them together and have a day lost doing that. Uh, Continuous deployment, is that situation, but every release is like a, every, like 
Um, every push to the repository is also a push to like deploy, and that is like a the code there is like workable, like fully tested code, and that's a lot of like a lot of automation makes it so you can do that. Yeah, and then continuous delivery is like one step further, where every like push is shown to the users. Yes, and there's different like methods that, like as you were saying, Netflix used to do that. Um, I also feel that automation was something we covered a lot, and seems like quite a, quite a good thing. Yeah, yeah. In uh, in iOS, like I said, it's difficult to do like continuous delivery because it depends on your definition, but. It's you still you are still dependent on Apple to approve yeah. uh, to approve your your build. You cannot and sometimes you cannot bypass that uh, that time. Okay, yeah. that's that's really cool. I think we uh, should wrap up there. Okay, yeah, but like everything, you need to pay <laughs> a cost <laughs> yeah. and you need to repay it. Like you need all this to depending on the project to calculate uh, the return of investment of automating some things or not automating others. But I will say, like, starting with the bottleneck or the thing that is taking you longest and that is fairly easy to automate, start with that and go step by step, try to automate, like, one thing per week. And on the end of the year, we'll have all the, the full process automated. That's really cool. All right. All right.